Hello everyone, I'm Juana Erdekescu and you're listening to the We Include podcast. Here we seek to bring you the most relevant and off-the-shelf diversity and inclusion initiatives. Today we're landing in Germany, home of SENA, a specialized recruitment organization on a mission to close the gender gap in tech. Not close to home at all. <laughs> we're speaking with Megan Gill, who I know for a few years now, and I am really proud to see her become a true partner of inclusion in the technology space across Europe. With a background in identity studies and recruitment, there is no better person in the driving seat for Sina. There, I've said it. I'm a fan. Sorry. Sina's working model is to hire women in engineering and product to close the gap on technology teams while investing a good chunk of their fees into the education and mentorship of girls and women in STEM. Easily put, more representation from classroom to boardroom. Megan, is a delight to have you on the We Include podcast. Welcome. Thank you for having me, Oana. It's delightful to be here. Uh, I've been dying to speak to you, to be honest. Um, I think even before conceiving this whole uh, platform, I was like, I need to get Sina and I need to get Megan more in front. <laughs> people uh, because I love the concept. I love the work that has been put behind it. And I am very, not just hopeful, very confident in the future of Xena uh, and its impact, especially in the European community. So how is it for you? How long has it been for you officially running Sina? How are you feeling at the moment about it? Yeah, thank you for the kind words, especially seeing as you're one of our earliest supporters. It's very nice to see us. I doubt this is full circle. I think we'll do lots more things together, but um, it's really nice to see this come around from our first and early conversations. How is Zena going is such a loaded question. The short answer is inc incredibly well, mm -hmm. um, is the truth. I think when we started Zena, so the concept of Zena started probably around three and a half years ago, I want to say. And it started um, inside of our sister company, Orange Quarter, which is mm -hmm. a very classic um, tech equipment agency. And since then, you know, it had taken sort of many different formats and legs. But I think we started really working full time on Xena now, probably a little over a year and a half ago. Mid-pandemic, perfect timing. Oh, perfect timing. <laughs> What else? You know, challenge accepted. Yes. Um, but that's when I moved over full time to um, help lead the launch um, of Xena. And it has just been an incredible, I don't even want to say roller coaster because it just feels like it keeps on going up, going mm -hmm. up, up and up. And I really don't think it'll ever come down, but it's been incredible to really watch it grow from those ideation set like sessions to now a fully fledged company with a mission and vision and identity. Nice. I think I, I really want to open it up a little bit more because I know a lot of business owners, specifically in the recruitment space, yeah. who would like to do something similar, yeah. the same or some spin-offs. They have different opportunities with their yeah. clients. Their clients are asking them specifically for support, specifically in co covering the um, gender gap in technology, but also senior roles um, uh, across different geographies or other topics as well. So I would say the concept can be applied in a variety of scenarios. What was it for you to first define? Because I, I, I saw there was a lot of like conversation around 
who's, what's our identity and how do we scale this? How do we build this up to something that people recognize easily and they take as business for good, right? This is where we, we're aiming at. Can you share anything about that? Yeah, 100%. And it's like, I think Xena is a response from like a couple of different tangents mm-hmm. and a couple of different people. So basically those first conversations when it started with our founders um, of Orange Quarter, Joe and Alex, And I think one of the earliest conversations was when Orange Quarter were about to expand to Berlin. And that's when I lived in Amsterdam and I was moving to Berlin to help upset OQ Berlin. We had kind of talked a little bit, myself and Al, about maybe doing something related to women in tech. Yeah. Selfishly, we were like, oh, it'd be a really nice way to meet women and people in Berlin, seeing neither of us knew anybody here. And then we were also like, well, you know what, also as a business, we should be doing more in this space anyway we Mm -hmm. have our own responsibility and that's just where the idea kind of grew and the conversations grew beyond that I think then in tandem what we had also been seeing is like you said a lot of our clients have been asking us to send them women Mm -hmm. Um, whether it was clients we had long-term relationships like please send us women or this role we really want a woman for or whether it was clients we wanted to work with being like, we'll work with you if you send us women. And what we would respond in sort of those early days is like, we'd go down the rabbit hole. We try and find the women. It takes quite a long time. I think everybody in recruitment knows that there's a limited amount of them. And it's obviously even more competitive when you're speaking with women because everybody Mm -hmm. wants them. But then if we'd find them, we'd go back and either the role would just be filled with another white guy who knew the guys (laughs) from another startup or else the women would not have good experiences in the companies. Mm -hmm. And we kind of just stopped responding to it. And then I think we also thought then like this is an opportunity to actually create something. Yeah. So then some of the earlier concepts of Xena were like, okay, do we do a sort of honeypot-esque model where we have a platform where we provide women and and CVs and sort of Mm -hmm. stuff like that? But I don't think any of us really truly got behind it. Yeah. And also we're a recruitment agency, right? We've no idea really how to build a tech product. Mm -hmm. We talk about it every day, but were we really ready to do it at that time? And then we were expanding to Berlin. We had loads of other things going on in the business. So Zena was shelved for a little bit. Yeah. But as I had kind of moved to Berlin, I was always a bit jealous because I was like, even though I was going doing this really cool thing, opening an office, I was like, Zena thing. I'm missing an opportunity here. Like, that's really cool. (laughs) I want to be part of that. Yes. Um, And then I had worked really hard in building OQ Berlin and it was going well. It still is going well, thank God. We somehow managed the first lockdown Mm -hmm. after six months, five months of launching the business. And then I had started to get a bit disenamored with recruitment Mm -hmm, in mm -hmm. general. Just recruitment's obviously quite tough. Lockdown, winter in Berlin, we know what it's like. Um, but one of the things I started to notice is like all my candidates were men. Mm-hmm, they were mm-hmm. all getting overpaid. 
they were all treating me, not all of them, I don't want to say that, yeah. sorry. But not like, all men, hashtag not no, all men. hashtag not all men, but I was coming into some situations that I'd rather not be in. You know, we yes. meet our candidates a lot and stuff like that, but also I'd be going to clients, again, all men, Yes. and looking for different things. And I just started to get really tired of this. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I thought of Zena again, and I was like, right... How can this work? And then I kind of just got into a couple of different conversations with my founder, Joe, mm-hmm. um, and Zena's founder, Al. She was on maternity leave at the time as well. So she, they had just had their first child, daughter. Mm-hmm. And I think the timing just worked then. And I kind of just said to Joe one day, like, it's time. Stars Give have a line. Everyone's still asking for women. They're not going to stop. Let's just do it. And I think at that time too, they really wanted to do something a little bit more and giving back to the community. Yeah. So we had been talking internally about different initiatives we could do around sort of community givebacks and whatnot. So Joe had kind of said to me, right, come back with an idea, go work on it, see how it will will work. And I mm-hmm. came back to him with my proposal about how Zena would work. And again, he's great. He was, think bigger, Meg, think yeah. bigger. <laughs> and then we had one really long, I wouldn't even say tense, maybe sweaty, just conversation with him and an iPad and me in a room. <laughs> and I remember we were thinking like, how can we think bigger? How can yes. we not just look like a money grabbing recruitment agency, ta- like capitalizing on a real societal issue, how can we not do what other recruitment agencies are doing, which is, you know, build a small community or a woman in tech community, which is totally admirable, but yes. it wasn't enough for us and people are doing it. And then we said, like, let's just actually do it separate from Orange Quarter. Mm-hmm. Let's build a new brand. And then we were like, let's actually tackle the problem of gender inequality in tech. You know, let's yes. not just think Go through the lens the of recruitment. Like, mm-hmm. let's think about the problem. And for me, um, a lot of my studies I had, you know, prior to even joining OQ had been like, if you want to solve a societal issue, you take a top down and bottom up approach, Mm -hmm. right? And I really, truly believe in that. And then when we were talking about like giving money back, then it just clicked that one day in conversation between us where we were like, let's use a portion of each recruitment fee to actually mm-hmm. invest in different initiatives that are looking at getting girls into STEM. Yeah. Then it's actual social sustainability, if you want to call it that, or it's like actually tackling the problem. And then, you know, in 50, 60 years, you maybe negate the need for a an agency like Xena, right? Yeah. You don't need yeah. to just say women, you'll actually have a diverse pipeline. Exactly. And that was the day the stars aligned and we were like, holy <laughs> crap, we did it. We came up with an idea that works and that we know how to do it. You know, we still do recruitment. We're good yes. at that. We know that. Now we just need to figure out how to find all the women. Yeah. Um, and then we need to get some clients and some buy-in. And I think like obviously between Joe's network and my network and the massive belief behind it, um, we just decided to do it. And I it's think working. another thing we said, we were like, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Yeah. We were just like, just if we fail, we fail. And we both had that attitude and Alex had that attitude as well. And they were willing to invest in it. And yeah. And then it took legs and we ran with it. Amazing. I think what I've noticed somehow is uh, this definition of, okay, we are, empowering organizations to consider 
um, diversifying their pipelines when it comes to candidates for technology roles, which we know in general have a bit of a skewed presence and representation. Some organizations are doing better than others, and that's also a question, I would say, for many out there. Um, but in the same time, you can't just keep on doing what you've been doing and ex- expect yeah. that magically we will have um, a diverse pipeline, you will actually have equal opportunity, you will not have uh, pay gaps, and you will be able to face somehow the reality that you just mentioned. You probably see 99% of your candidates white males, especially here, right? So especially in tech and especially in more senior roles. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's definitely something that... I think everybody's thinking of and wants to tap into, but the the ways to do so are even taboo sometimes, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so we'll keep that on the side. For those who have questions on what that <laughs> means, ping us separately. But I'm very, very keen to understand what do you already see as impact on community? Because you have this stream of nurturing professionals, but you also have this stream of mentoring and education and actual financial support in some areas, right? So uh, what are your like pride moments, things that you will wear on your shoulder as your star? (laughs) I've done this. I can run with this. Yeah. um, Do you know what? Like it's it's quite interesting that you asked me that so in Xena we have like quite a culture around celebrating the small wins and like a small win for us is like you get a good candidate a good CV out the door there's like people are clapping you know (laughs) yes go on girl um so we really do try to celebrate as much as possible um internally specifically because we know how hard the job is that we're doing Um, But I think in terms of the community impact, it's a very interesting question because we're obviously still quite a young business Mm -hmm. and we are starting to talk now as we become like we're publicly almost a year old. Mm -hmm. Um, But to look at actually how we can start measuring and doing different impact studies and stuff like that. But it's a conversation, I think, for another day. Our Xena is split into three key pillars, right? Mm-hmm. We have a recruitment, that's how we generate our revenue, um, and we build a community via that stream. Yeah. Then the second pillar is obviously about all of our STEM investments, and that's like our charity or NGO partners. And then that's sort of facilitating the women and girls that we're trying to get into tech. So that's another mm-hmm. part of our community. Then there's an actual more traditional community that we're building, which is our Slack community, which I think is, I mean, we're now seeing daily sign-ups, um, which is nearing the 500 mm-hmm. mark. And then we have our events as well, too. So we're seeing different bits of impact and feedback via the three different pillars. Mm -hmm. And I would say via pillar one, it's like when we speak to our candidates about what we're doing or when they, and we find we get a lot of referral candidates. Yeah. It's like, oh, I spoke to you because you spoke to my friend and I really want to work with a company who cares about this here topic. Like, wow, this is amazing that you're doing this and your clients are amazing that they're working with you. So that's the first bit of feedback that I didn't think we'd see as much of, but Mm -hmm. most of our candidates are like, this is incredible, you know? Um, And then the second part, um, like that's always really good. But the second part with the give back, 
I think for me, the, the pinch myself moment there um, was, okay, well, the, the real pinch myself moment was when we got the first actual invoice from VHTO, which was yeah. our, is our partner in Amsterdam. And I don't think I've seen a company so excited about an invoice before. <laughs> Yay, we got the invoice, we can pay. Like, yeah, the money's out of the bank, you know. That was incredible. But then we did the our first um, partner coding event with Fuga mm-hmm. and VHTO. Mm-hmm. And at the same time in parallel, there was a TV show in the Netherlands that were mm-hmm. doing a series about women in, uh, in different spaces. Yeah. And one of their episodes was about tech and they mm-hmm. got wind of what we were doing. And they actually then asked if they could film some of the event and they sent a TV crew and it was featured on Dutch national TV. And I remember at that time being like, <laughs> What? This is us. We're doing this. <laughs> like, Kiva forwarded me the email and I was like, huh? <laughs> Going to be on TV? <laughs> I mean, that for me is also when I realized that we're doing something incredible here. And when you saw the yeah. girls and the pictures of them in the Xena jumpers, like just wow. Nice. And I think one of them particularly flourished and was like, I'm definitely going to pursue a career in tech. And that for yeah. me is like, oh my God, okay, we're doing something. It's a butterfly effect, clearly. <sighs> For those listening, just because I'm familiar with uh, uh, VHTO, but what do they do? And um, is it just in the Netherlands that you're focusing with this type of organizations? Or are you actually planning maybe expansion in different countries? I guess each country has their own VHTOs. I wish they did, trust me. <laughs> finding charity partners that align with their mission has weirdly been harder than finding candidates. I see, yeah. But VHTO, so part of the whole concept of Xena is... If we're going to invest in the the different groups that are investing at Girls in STEM is, now there's loads of different numbers I've seen here, mm-hmm. but the one I go by is that girls and boys are gendering um, subjects mm-hmm. uh, at the ages of around 7 to 11. Mm-hmm. So we really wanted to invest in initiatives that were looking at that problem and VHTO were really and truly and still are the only NGO that I'm aware of that are actually really looking at that part of the problem. So what they do is that they do loads of different stuff and loads Mm -hmm. of different initiatives, but a lot of the core part part of their work is they'll advise the Dutch government on policy Mm -hmm. around like gender representation in school books and they'll also go in and run different coding camps and schools and, and high schools and whatnot. And they're really, really well set up around yes. it. Like they're very professional. They're very well put together. They know what they're doing. Um, and when we discovered VHTO, we were like, oh my God, amazing. <laughs> there's, there's more of these. Where's one in Germany, you know? Not so much. Unfortunately, not yet. But yeah, they're a um, special partner of ours. All right, I see. I mean, I've when I lived in Amsterdam, I did volunteer mostly on CV consultations, like giving people advice, especially they had this program for immigration um, in Amsterdam, in tech. Mm-hmm. Um, and indeed, I, I recognize the same governance and the same care and the same kind of long-term partnership that they do with different governmental institutions. Mm-hmm. Anyway, this is not about <laughs> VHTO. We'll probably have them on a separate episodes, but I love the fact that you've extended the impact that Xena has beyond corporations. And I think this is the approach that you're having is uh, the right one. Um, mm-hmm. it, it goes both into where do people find their blessed place for them to thrive in their careers, but also how do we influence newcomers in the in the industry? I yeah. think this is where we have not done enough progress and we have yeah. not been 
um, encouraging enough as communities to have this happening in a sustainable way. I think it's like two steps forward, one step backwards. Like there is a scandal, there is an organization that does some weird stuff. And then people are like, well, actually, maybe not the, I'm not in the right place. So there's, there's a lot to be done there. And I, I appreciate mm-hmm. you are taking that initiative. I am quite fascinated and wondering why am I not in this Slack channel that you're talking about? <laughs> <laughs> so these communities of uh, real-time interaction uh, and in a way, somehow you're not even needed there as long as your community engages and helps themselves, right? I mm-hmm. think the, the Slack channel and the events are are quite an interesting one. And uh, given the pandemic, uh, in-person events were not really possible. You still power through and you created some interactions and some opportunities for these people to meet and understand it's more of us and we have similar challenges and opportunities. Let's tackle that together. Yeah. And like the in-person thing is like, it's a it's a core part of what we do mm-hmm. and I mean a lot of people are not let's say so happy that we don't stream our events yet mm-hmm. I actually don't think we we ever will to be honest because we want to bring people together yeah and I think that's like that's the main part of the community pillar which is genuinely bringing women together with our network and who we speak to to network, discuss ideas, discuss challenges, but also find solutions. And a large part of our events and also all of our content on the website, it's very purposefully written to be action oriented. Mm-hmm. So one of my main gripes with like diversity and inclusion in general, but mainly women in tech too, is there's a lot of marketeerish stuff online. But I remember when I was reading and researching Xena, especially in the early days, I was still like, yeah, but but then what do I do? You know, (laughs) like how do I actually change my organization? Um, So with our events where we really look at different challenges and try to deconstruct different stereotypes that we hear when we speak to women on the recruitment front. And then with the Slack channel, it's again just trying to bring people together, giving them different resources and giving them different ties to one another. And yeah, just bringing together another big band of women and allies, um, specifically in Europe. And I think mm-hmm. there is a little bit more initiatives similar to us, perhaps in the States. Yeah. Um, but in Europe, again, we weren't really seeing something like this. And No, you're you're one of the very few in, in such an explicit way uh, mm. supporting this community of underrepresented members in tech, um, but also creating understanding of these three pillars, right? Like yeah. the fact that there is probably less success or even no success if you don't if you don't go into all these dimensions of community building right it's it's the grassroots it's the professionals and it's the things that are happening outside work also sometimes that are not helping us uh, thrive in our careers whatever it's um, uh, it's a space that is very welcoming to women or not um, yeah. and I guess here we're talking anyway um, those who identify as women, right? I yeah. think we're also trying yeah. to keep it um, uh, extremely open and extremely welcoming to to anybody in this space. Yeah, Megan, uh, I'm 
I'm very curious, considering the fact that you've went and studied gender identity, I guess there are some things in your history, in your upbringing, in your yeah, <laughs> core values that have made you be here in this space at the moment. Where is it coming from? <laughs> Can you identify some t- points in time when you're like, okay, if I now look back, this makes sense now. <laughs> <laughs> Where do the crazy ideas come from? Oh God, that's a good question. So I actually, I didn't study gender identity, right? But one thing I was, and I, I think for as long as I remember, I've always been incredibly interested and fascinated about why we behave the way that we behave based mm-hmm. on the different identity markers that we have. So why do I, as Megan, who's Irish, um, living in in Berlin, I behave in this such a way, whereas someone else who's maybe from, I don't know, like my colleague Zambia, mm-hmm. who's also traveled to Berlin, behaves in this such a way, right? Um, man versus woman, different cultures, different religions, different backgrounds. I'm really just interested in the differences. Mm-hmm. And then for me, I see the differences as we puzzle pieces and mm-hmm. I try to figure out how to put them together. So I really always have looked at identity in such a way. And then I started by studying Irish studies, which is where mm-hmm. I started to understand the like the theoretical practices around identity and the different research behind it. At the time I was living in Ireland, I'm fluent in Gaelic language, so I was studying mm-hmm. that and I was learning a lot about Irishness, so much so that I think I just had an Irish burnout that I was like, <laughs> I can't actually speak about Ireland anymore. I'm done with <laughs> this part. I'd so hyper-analyzed it from an academic point of view. I was like, I'm going to go to Europe and learn about European identity. Yes. Yes. So then I moved to Amsterdam and I studied identity and integration in like a European context. Again, looking at different cultural identity, religious identity, mm-hmm. etc. Um, and also trying to just fit in the puzzle pieces. Yeah. And it was actually really in Amsterdam that one of my friends really just taught me about what feminism was. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I don't think I had ever really learned about it back home. Ireland is definitely quite a patriarchal society. I'm women's rights in Ireland were very slow yes. moving um, in comparison to a lot of other Western countries. And I think... Looking back from the outside in, and this was during the whole time of the repeal of the eighth movement as well, too, which I felt really strongly about. I kind of realized I was like, God, I am actually a real feminist. I'm a practicing <laughs> feminist, you know, like this is incredible. I never really thought about this before. And then I learned different stories about my mom as well, too, and things yeah. that she had done. She launched a women's center in my hometown and she did loads of other really cool things. And I think so. Being around that, it probably just was within me a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And I think now what keeps me going is I get really, and when I was younger, like upset by social inequalities. Yes. Like it just bothers me to, to so much when you walk around, you see homeless people on the streets or you hear about different war. Like it just gets me. Mm-hmm. And I think a couple of years ago, I learned how to channel that more into energy and activity realizing there's only so much I can do Mm -hmm. and then, you know, figuring out how to do what I can with my own bubble. 
And that's sort of what really pushes me on to this day is the anger is using it <laughs> constructively. Like things don't bother me as much as I did because I know now I'm doing something about it. And that's really what keeps me going. I so love this. And I think the idea of channeling that energy is so important. I think you can go on, as you said, a little bit in burnout, a little bit in frustration, a bit in cynicism, right? Because mm-hmm. you can go into the space and there's nothing I can do you know, I'm just going to become a monk. And yeah, <laughs> that's one option, <laughs> respect either way. But um, learning how to build tools for yourself to channel that energy is key somehow, right? If you want to feel that I'm actually making any type of impact. And um, one of our pillars here for the We Include uh, platform is any small action, as long as it's positive, will create an effect. Whether it's a small or big, you kind of never know (laughs) till you release it in the world, a bit as you did with Sina. So uh, I I think we should see more of these big and small actions praised equally because the impact is is very unpredictable. But I admire about you kind of digging into your past a bit and understanding there is a there's a thread, there's a needle going through all of these things. And I'm I'm very keen to see when we talk again in 10 years, what's up with you and where where else have you <laughs> built some some very cool stuff. Um that's that's amazing. I I think this is this suits you, first of all. Um, and it's very important for the communities that you and I work in. And I think we will continue to activate quite a bit. And if we can influence anybody around us, we, we will. Mm-hmm. Um, going back a bit on to Sina, uh, you've been, I, I hope there's a cake for the one year anniversary. <laughs> I'm, and I'm invited. I will not take a no. <laughs> You've just put an idea in my head. So now, yes, there will be cake one and there will be a party. Thanks. You've Amazing. got me started. <laughs> um, what's next for Zina? Oh, wow. Um, we have so many ideas. It's <laughs> incredible. My colleague Kiva, who I work really closely, she's um, responsible for a brand and community. I mean, I just sometimes I'm like, Kiva, I have an idea and the Google Doc is out and she just, we're writing down different things and there's still just loads of things flying around. But I think in the short term, we know now who we are. I think we're pretty confident about that. And we know how to do the recruitment front as well, which has been great. So we've got that locked, right? And we're just growing out the team now, growing out, having new client relationships and stuff. I think one challenge that we've encountered has been actually verifying whether the clients that we work with are actually practicing Mm. inclusivity Mm -hmm. in the way that we really want them to. And Mm -hmm. for me, actually, probably one thing that the most is that Mm -hmm. a candidate who goes via Xena will have a problem at one of our clients that let's say is gender related like that that actually scares me you know Mm -hmm. both from a candidate perspective but also from our own reputation perspective as well selfishly of course Mm -hmm. um so for now we're having some conversations and we've had these from the early days too but now we have a few more hands on deck of like how to verify internal cultures again Mm -hmm. as an external to really look at the pathway of like okay you are an inclusive business ergo we will work with you and we can actually give you our stamp and seal of approval 
and then how can we maybe standardize that across the board um, so that's one thing I think that we're looking at right now I think growth wise as well too really looking at where's our next office going to be mm-hmm. we have one in Amsterdam we have one in Berlin mm-hmm. where else there's a lot of other major tech hubs in Europe of course and beyond Europe as well too is something that I'm keeping quite a keen eye on. I yeah. think the topic of DNI is a lot more mature in the States, for example. So I would be very interested to see how we maybe fit into that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and then one thing that we're really excited about is next year we're going to have our first Women in Tech Awards, Amazing. which will definitely, we'll be cutting no corners um, in in it. Um, with everything that we're discussing. We're currently finalizing our list of partners for that. And again, that's just part of providing rep- like representation of women who exist and celebrating them as well too. Um, there's loads of other ideas <laughs> under the hood, like I said. like I'm an ideas girl, I'm a talker. Yeah. Um, thank God I've got a fantastic team of people who can help execute it. <laughs> um, but yeah, just a lot more growth and a lot more figuring out how to verify and make sure women are going to be safe and protected within tech. Amazing. I love it. And yes, we definitely need this ISO 900 uh, standards of behavior and culture, right? Um, I think in the US, you would see more and more organizations adhering to certain um, pledges, right? Mm -hmm. I think that's, that's what we see, but they are not so, first of all, they don't translate really uh, fully or really well in the European space. And if we Mm -hmm. think about other continents, I think we should be very mindful, but what does it mean when it when it comes to hiring only, yeah. for example? That can be a very interesting approach because the hiring process, the offer management, um, the candidate experience, they are so in in the public eye, like there's so much interaction between the employer, the candidate, the agencies working there, and even the communities around them. So sometimes you will have these pledges to inclusivity throughout the employee experience, yeah. but not so much for the candidate and hiring experience. So good luck with that. I'm, 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 I think that's coming up. I can see, I can, I can see it. And of course, the uh, details of the event for next year, as far as I saw, they're fairly public. You are starting mm-hmm. to promote and you're starting to kind of collect um, uh, soon the nominations and everything that's going to go through that process. So very, very exciting. I'm looking forward to promote it. But um, this is something that we needed already 10 years ago. Yeah, I am happy we're not waiting for another 10 years to have. I am very keen to see where Sina is going and how they're building up. And again, I don't think there's anybody better than you to drive this at the moment. So thank you for taking this. It's not a, an easy job. Uh, and I hope you can find your energies. And I, I appreciate so, so much that you've been part of our episode today and part of the We Include journey as well. Thank you, Anna. And thank you for giving us a platform and others as well too to highlight this. Like I said, it's so hard to find social impact companies because mm-hmm. the money doesn't go into SEO and marketing and all this here stuff. You know, the money goes really where it matters. So it's um, it's also nice to see another platform that's doing that. It's really, really important. Let's connect. <laughs> <laughs> I'll see you soon, Megan. Thank you very much. Cheers. Thanks, Anna. Thank you so much for staying with us for the entire episode. 
You are the best. If you enjoyed this conversation, subscribe to the We Include podcast on Spotify or the podcast provider of your choice. And don't forget to share in your networks. It's highly appreciated. You can find me on LinkedIn for suggestions of initiatives and topics you'd like to see covered in future episodes. They are coming out weekly. Till next time, take care.